Good evening and welcome to another edition of Reporters Roundtable. We are coming to you from the Voice of America in Washington. I'm Douglas Simpoga. This evening we'll talk about the conflict resolution in Africa. And with us tonight is uh, Suleiman Mugula, an independent political analyst. He joins us from Durban, South Africa, as usual. Uh, good evening, Suleiman. Thank you very much. Good evening. Thank you very much for inviting me. You're very much welcome. And with me here is my colleague, uh, Vincent Makori, uh, Managing Editor TV, English to Africa. Vincent, welcome to the show once again. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here with you. You're very much welcome. Uh, Said tonight, we're talking about looking at conflict resolution in Africa. There have been a lot of conflicts. Some of them remain unresolved, like the long-standing conflict in the Ethiopian-Nigerian region of Tigray, and uh, where people have been displaced and many others have died. And there seems to be no resolution in sight. Uh, let's begin there, Vicent. What do you make of this conflict that has been running for some time now without seeming an end in sight? The fact that it is already a year since this uh, conflict began and uh, we're still hearing of, um, you know, airstrikes in the Tigray area. People are still being killed. Uh, people are being displaced from their uh, dwellings. Uh, it, it tells us that... Um, uh, if there has been any effort at all to resolve this, uh, those efforts haven't succeeded. Uh, but what is very clear is that, um, uh, of course, uh, there lacks uh, either the internal Ethiopian mechanism to resolve this peacefully and also at the Africa continental level. We haven't seen any real effort to resolve this matter, uh, which is very disturbing because, you know, Africa often says that... Uh, uh, it should be allowed to uh, have its own, uh, you know, solutions to African problems. So the fact that we haven't seen a solution to that particular conflict, and it has gone on for one year now, attacks have been going on uh, as late as yesterday, and we're not surprised if we hear that there have been more attacks today or tomorrow. And, and so it is so sad because uh, both sides are being accused of atrocities uh, but uh, on the ground, the people are really suffering, uh, innocent civilians, women, old people, uh, children, uh, and, and we don't see uh, an end to this, at least not soon. I see. Uh, Suleiman, uh, Ethiopia ho- uh, ho- hosts the African Union headquarters in Addis Ababa. Uh, what do you make of this uh, long-running conflict going on? First of all, the conflict was not an accident. The country had been going through an upheaval for almost a year. Abil Ahmed was given as a transitional leader because Ethiopia hoped and dreamed to have a new beginning. Instead of uh, preparing the nation for a new beginning, like many African leaders, characteristic of the current uh, of the current uh, um, uh, crop of leaders whom we have on the continent. Much as we had a lot of expectation that he was another Brit, having received the Nobel Prize, we thought he would think better than that. But instead, like other African leaders, he subverted the country's dreams and hopes, and instead he looked at his own interest and the clique with which he leads with. So this was not a conflict which should have happened, really. There was an opportunity for him to prepare a transition, to listen to what the Tigrians were, were, were looking for, what they were crying for. There was room for, re, for, for negotiation. There was room for dialogue. But instead, 
he went for run out right was. So it was not an accident. It came when he's seeing. Even ourselves, before when the conflict had just started, we said it is going to develop into a very big crisis and it might be very costly. And indeed, it has ended up very costly. So, like any other leader, he lacked the foresightedness, he lacked the, 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 the ability, the capacity to come down and discuss with his fellow Ethiopian to find a solution for it. That is why um, uh, Vincent is saying there seems to be lack of internal capacity to solve the conflict, a conflict which should not have happened in I, the first place. I see. Uh, Vincent, uh, talking of internal conflict uh, resolution, um, the AU has mechanisms for conflict resolution, and there are other leaders that people would expect would come in to figure out a solution because this could even become a regional problem. Why hasn't AU or its organs done much better in resolving this conflict? You know, when you look at um, how things are done on the continent and the relationships among uh, the leaders of these countries, you tend to feel that uh, they are very reluctant to appear to be interfering in the internal affairs of another country. Uh, in yeah. some way, they feel that uh, they need to maintain the relationship with the leader of that country, mm -hmm. the, with the political system of that country, rather than uh, be concerned about the welfare and well-being of the innocent citizens. So their relationships, their camaraderie, their uh, you know their political uh, engagements are more important to them. And and so when they meet, when they talk to each other, they're talking to each other as friends. Uh, so what is disturbing is that you feel uh, that uh, while they're friends among each other, they forget that they're supposed to be actually, uh, you know, watching for the welfare, taking care of the welfare of the citizens of the continent of Africa. And then you wonder whether some of the leaders of the countries uh, in the region uh, how kind of... Uh, um, you know, they lack that sense of empathy for the ordinary citizens uh, such that, uh, uh, you know, they can keep watching and hearing about the killings, the rapes, uh, and nothing seems to come to an end. So if the mechanisms do exist, which they do, they're there within the, the Africa Union system, the EGAD system, the East Africa Community system, uh, where is the action where is the pressure? Uh, the fact that nothing seems to be changing and that all you hear is what the government of Ethiopia from Addis Ababa is saying, of course, accusing the Tigrayans of, uh, uh, you know, being uh, responsible for violence. And uh, the reaction, of course, you hear is from Mekele or the Tigrayan side accusing the government of committing atrocities. That's all you tend to hear. You don't hear from the regional leaders calling on these parties to cease the fighting, pressuring this, uh, this government and, of course, the opposition side to stop the killings of civilians, to stop the conflict and, uh, you know, save people's lives. So from my, my perspective, if the mechanisms do exist, they don't work. I see. Uh, Suleiman, your take, because this, if you really care for your brother, mm. your, com your comrade, you shouldn't, have, you, should, mm. you shouldn't be satisfied by his house being on fire, sort of. Mm. I think for a long time now,
the continent body has failed to exert its authority. It has, it has remained inherently weak. It has remained inherently weak because the components, the, the countries within the bloc, many of them lack the moral authority. What is happening in Ethiopia is happening in many African countries. We have got leaders, some of them who have overstayed, who are facing insurrections, who are facing the resistance from, from pockets of people. So many of them are not different from what is happening in Ethiopia. The difference might be the scale. So that is number one. The leadership don't have moral authority. They, they, apart from the AU itself, even the regional organization, well, the ECOWAS might be stronger. The East African region has remained fragile. We have had instability almost throughout. We have got Southern Sudan, it has been unstable, Sudan unstable, Somalia unstable, Uganda unstable, Burundi. So the whole region has been on tenterhooks. So you find that while other organizations like East African Community or IGAD would have participated, they themselves, the individual countries, are not stable enough. The leadership itself does not have moral authority. In addition to that, again, Ethiopia itself, you find that it has got problems. It has got problem. It has got border problems with the, with the Sudan. It has, it has got problems with Southern Sudan. Number three, it is also a big brother. It is the seat of the AU. It is a, a country which has been participating in peacekeeping. So many countries feel uh, are reluctant to interfere into her affair because she had played, she has been playing a big brother situation, a big brother attitude within the region. So by and large, there is no regional organization strong enough to interfere into the system. As this center said, many of the leaders tend to matter about their own interests other than the people they lead. Many of these leaders don't understand that when there is a conflict in, in Ethiopia, people are going to be flooding in all the neighboring countries and causing threat within the populations that are surrounding Ethiopia. So that is the crisis we are in as Mm-hmm. Region. I see. Uh, Vincent, he recently uh, Abi had his inauguration for his second term. And those leaders, I guess, maybe should have, instead of celebrating only, they should have maybe pushed some words of advice on how to end this conflict. Yeah. In fact, uh, while Abi had the right to get sworn in because he was uh, elected by the Ethiopian parliament, well, uh, if uh, the regional leaders wanted to make a statement, uh, they would have used that opportunity, in fact, first, to not join in any celebration uh, yeah. in recognition of the bloodshed and the pain of the people within that country. They would use that as an opportunity to actually uh, t- give some firm position to the uh both sides, and I insist it's not just the government, but also the Tigrayan forces, uh, give some firm and tough conditions and say, uh, this has to end now. But, you know, what you saw is, of course, celebration, congratulatory messages. Uh, But while on the other side, uh, women are being raped, 
people are dying, children are being left orphans. But also don't forget that um, Abi Ahmed is a Nobel Peace Prize mm-hmm. winner. True. Uh, Abi was given a Nobel Prize for having, uh, uh, you know, ended what had been considered a state of war between mm-hmm. Ethiopia and Eritrea. Mm-hmm. And the most mind-boggling thing is that today Ethiopia, Addis Ababa, has a good relationship uh, with uh, Asmara, with Eritrea. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it has been accused of, of uh, Ethiopia has been accused of calling on Eritrea to mm-hmm. help fight the Tigrians. Mm-hmm. But then the Tigrians in Ethiopia are fellow Ethiopians. Mm-hmm. They are brothers and sisters of Abiy and his government. Now, how is it that the Nobel Peace uh, Prize winner, the man who could uh, create a state of peace between his country and a neighboring country that they've gone to war in the past with, cannot help or manage to have... uh, a state of peace between his government mm-hmm. and a regional mm-hmm. uh, government within his country. And, and so it gets a little confusing and disturbing that the rhetoric you get to hear from that side is about crushing the enemy. And, mm-hmm. and you know, crushing the enemy, whether it is the Tigrians crushing the enemy or uh, the Ethiopian government crushing the enemy, this enemy is a fellow brother. These are not external uh, threats. These are not external enemies. So what I would think um, could make kind of uh, make sense out of the peace, Nobel Peace Prize for Abiy Ahmed is to actually spearhead peace process within Ethiopia. That will validate perhaps uh, to some degree uh, the reasons why he got the Nobel Prize in uh, to begin with. I see. Now, for those of you, just, just, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Reporters Roundtable. We are coming to you from the Voice of America in Washington. Tonight, we are discussing conflict resolution in Africa. And our panelists are Suleiman Mugula, an independent political analyst based in Durban, South Africa. And my colleague, Vincent Makori, managing editor TV English to Africa. And I'm your host, Douglas Impuga. Uh, Suleiman, uh, both of you have mentioned the lack, the failure by the regional blocs, by the uh, AU, to quickly resolve this conflict, help resolve this conflict. Uh, recently, the United States government threatened sanction to the warring parties, both of them, the, the, the government in Addis Ababa and the Tigrayan uh, forces. Uh, to what extent do you think the threat of sanctions or sanctions themselves would help in resolving this conflict? Many of the the external uh, sanctions have not had much effect on on conflict resolution in Africa, but in themselves, the sanctions for a big country like USA are very important, especially the 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 moral part of it, the question of. Uh, the identification of the problem it is an indictment to the to the to the regime in in Addis Ababa it is an indictment to them to show them that there is a serious problem which needs to be attended to in addition to that one as you know United States networks with other big countries with other donors with other influential countries 
So if there is a, if United States uh, catches flu, then Europe sneezes. So if United States mentions something, then you should know that uh, Europe should take should take concern. So it is it is very important that also other countries may join the United States also to pressurize the Ethiopian government to go into dialogue. In addition also, such an indictment, on the other hand, galvanizes the opposition within and consolidates them and makes them to, to know that they have also got a cause and they deserve talking. Maybe when they are pressurized, it is a, it is a process which can lead to better dialogue if there is an indictment like that one. I think that it is important, much as it may not have immediate impact, but in the long run, if utilized positively, it can help to, to pave a way for dialogue between the warring parties. I see. Uh, Vicent, uh, first of all, your reaction to the, whether these sanctions will work. And uh, another player in Ethiopia is China with heavy investments there. And China is on record having criticized the threat of, of, of sanctions against the warring parties there, saying, like the Ethiopian government, that they should be able to solve their own internal problems. Mm-hmm. First of all, what do you think the, the effect will be for the, of the sanctions and the, the influence of China in that uh, region? Uh, you know, sanctions uh, do, in many ca- cases, uh, uh, serve as a statement, as a... Uh, as um, Mahola has just mentioned, uh, sometimes it's a statement it's made. Uh, But in so many cases, they don't really work. We have seen sanctions uh, being imposed on, uh, you know, many regimes across the continent of Africa, and they did not help resolve the conflict, uh, at least in the short term. Now, the pressure could be that uh, the um, Ethiopian government may not be able to buy weapons from the West, or perhaps the Tigrayan forces may be unable to achieve uh, certain objectives, uh, especially when it, it, it comes to engagement and support from the West. But uh, with the China now coming into the mix, the temptation might be to turn east for the Ethiopian uh, government and, 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 of course, get some help, which will cushion the country against any sanctions that are being imposed by the West. Uh, what I would say, though, is that I, I don't think China, um, Ethiopia should be too excited about whatever support that they get from China because at the end of the day, it's not all about, um, you know, circumventing any of these sanctions and to continue with the, with, with the conflict because the effect of the conflict will live on in the country to leave scars and it will have repercussions in the future the interest of the ethiopian government the interest of the tigrayan forces should be to have a peaceful resolution with or without threats of sanctions or even with the support of china because instead of focusing on the soldiers that perhaps may kill each other may engage in this battle those sides should look at the impact of this conflict on the ordinary citizens and look at the long-term implications of this. This approach of crushing your, uh, the other side is counterproductive because what it does, it, it actually creates uh, that cyclic um, culture of uh, a desire to revenge. Uh, tomorrow it will be the other side. 
and, and they would want to do the same to you. So at the end of the day, it is an internal matter. They should resolve it peacefully for the sake of the lives of the Ethiopians to begin with, uh, whether they are Tigrians or Amharo or any other, uh, and also for the sake of the future, because you don't want to create a condition where the future is so fragile uh, in because of what the other side that is perhaps crashed today, what it might do tomorrow when it rises up and perhaps ends up being in power. So mm -hmm. that is what I think should be the best approach. Consider peace, not just for now, but even for the future of the country. I see. Uh, Suleiman, other analysts have talked about the impact on the regional stability. Because this conflict, Ethiopia, of course, has neighbors, and the conflict has not only has already begun spilling in other countries in terms of refugees running there. There's South Sudan, as you mentioned. There is Kenya. Why don't these at least regional leaders, because they, are, they will be affected if they're not affected yet. Why can't they get more deeply involved, do you think? That is the the one million dollar question, because serious serious speaking, one wonder, wonders why there is a, such silence around the region, because the crisis is escalating. As you well, you are well aware, the Oromo Liberation Army has already signed a, a, a memorandum of understanding with the TPLF which means it is widening now, which means it won't stop now, and which means that the repercussions are going to be bigger. Because even the Oromo themselves, they are the biggest ethnic group within Ethiopia. So which means if they are going to massively join the Tigrians and then the, the crisis continue, then it has, it has to have massive effects. Already, as you are saying, refugees are spilling all over around the country. Apart from that, about 350,000 people are on the threat of starvation because of the effects of the war. And yet, Abel is still, uh, doing, is still carrying on massive deployment, which means still people are going to, 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 to scatter all around, which is going to affect the, 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 the surrounding countries. Yet, all along, still these countries are strained by other problems. Southern Sudan has been unstable, so so spilling refugees all over. Somalia is unstable, so so spilling I think in the wrong run, as you uh, Vincent rightly said, what is important is for everybody who can is to shout loud to the regional leaders to make them wake up and take a step and intervene. Because at the end of the day, it is not an issue for Abil Ahmed. It is an issue for the people of Ethiopia and the population of the countries that are surrounding it. So I think a negotiated, a negotiated um, a process should should be started by the leaders. People should shout at them. The civil organization needs to shout and try to see whether something can be good. Otherwise, it is going into a very heavy price to pay by the people of Ethiopia and the surrounding countries. Uh, Vicente, uh, briefly, what do you t what's your take on at least the neighbors who are immediately concerned, uh, their lack of active participation in solving this conflict? You know, at the end of the day, I think they'll have to face uh, some of the consequences. We've seen that uh, the 
Sudan, for example, has been a recipient of many of uh, the displaced people from uh, the the Tigray area. Uh, but also, when you have an unstable country, it, it does have, uh, you know, whichever way you look at it, it da- it, ha- it does have a destabilizing effect on the entire region. Mm-hmm. So their lack of action, in fact, undermines the stability of their own countries. And, and also, it goes to prove the point that African countries are incapable of resolving their problems. And so this mm-hmm. narrative that they are always trying to, uh, to put out there that uh, we want Africa to be respected, we are sovereign uh, countries, and that... Uh, we have African solutions to African problems, uh, it just flies in the face of logic because if the action uh, does not match the words, then of course it means that uh, uh, those countries are impotent and the regional organs are really, uh, you know, just, um, uh, they're they're toothless. They Mm. cannot Mm. achieve any of those objectives. So I should say in one word, it's a shame. I it's see. a shame. I see. Uh, now, given that the international community has not, has been slow, to say the least, in in trying to assist or help or force a solution, and uh, the regional blocs, the AU, uh, seem not to be a bit reluctant. How, uh, Suleiman, how do you see this thing ending? Because uh, it's been over a year almost since the conflict began. Briefly, what do you think, what do you portend for the future? You see, the crisis in itself was an error of judgment on side of a bill. The issue, the cause of um, the, the, the controversy, the, mis- the, the, the different shades of views which they have, the Tigrians uh, uh, versus a bill, is not a personal issue. It is a national issue. Either federalism or, or unitary state, these are issues which should have been discussed on a round table. But uh, Abil decided to use force. He has been deploying massively, which means it is going to intensify. The people of Ethiopia need a savior. Either the savior comes from within the leadership, a bill turns himself and then saves the people of Ethiopia, or he's creating a situation where other people will come in, either from within his group or outside his group to come and save the people of Ethiopia. I'm uh-uh. very much worried mm-hmm. that the situation is so fragile that it can happen, and anything can happen anytime, even as we speak. I see. Uh, Vincent, your take. Yeah, um, from the look of things, I don't see this ending soon. There doesn't seem to be any desire from uh, either Addis Ababa or from Mekele uh, to end this conflict. And uh, if it drags on, though, we're going to have more people dying. We're going to have more people displaced. It's not good for Ethiopia. It is not good for the leadership of uh, Ethiopian Addis or even the Tigrayan uh, leaders and it's not good for the entire region of the Horn of Africa and East Africa. So uh, I think, we, I guess we'll take uh, keep, keep uh, watching on, the, on what uh, evolves there. But at some point there must be a solution because uh, apart from maybe uh, splitting the country, a solution must be found. Indeed. I mean, uh, but the problem is you, <laughs> you don't want to find a solution 
after you've done so much damage. That's if, right. If you're going to find yeah. a solution, you can as well find yeah. it now. You don't want to find it on top yeah. of corpses, of deaths of hundreds mm. or thousands of people. No. I see. Well, uh, we are out of time, and that wraps up this edition of Reporters Roundtable. Thanks to my colleague, Wilson Makori, managing editor TV English to Africa, and Suleiman Mugula, an independent political analyst based in Durban, South Africa. Uh, gentlemen, as usual, thanks very much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You, you're you very much welcome. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Reporters Roundtable. A reminder that you can hear our roundtable on the internet. All you have to do is to go to our main website and scroll down programs and click on Reporters Roundtable. You can also uh, uh, drop us a line. Our email is reporters at vnews.com. Once again, thanks very much for tuning in. And until next week, I'm your host, Douglas Impulga. Hello, I'm Carol Castiel. Next up, our periodic update on Latin America. Secretary of State Antony Blinken visits Colombia and Ecuador in a bid to reinforce U.S. ties and underscore U.S. support for democracy and economic development in the Western Hemisphere. Two analysts join me to discuss the significance of his trip and troubling developments in Venezuela and Haiti. An update on Latin America. VOA's encounter Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. Hi, I'm Kim Lewis, moderator for Issues in the News. Join me and a panel of journalists as we discuss the top stories of the week, including reaction from across the political spectrum to former U.S. Secretary of State Colin Powell's death. Democrats and Republicans alike lauded the four-star general as a giant of public service and an American hero. Join us for Issues in the News this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America.